Welcome to the Teacher Transition Podcast, where we celebrate the amazing things former teachers are now doing outside of the classroom. And where teachers who are considering making a move of their own can find the resources, guidance, and support that they need to take their next steps. I'm your host, Allie Parrish, and I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to this episode of the Teacher Transition Podcast. I am so excited to have you here from my good friend, Shannon Rosaire. Shannon was a teacher. She was a a university professor. She later worked as a trainer at a corporate company. And then she started working at ed tech companies. The first ed tech company where she worked was Canvas by Instructure. They are the world's fastest growing teacher portal where you post your grades, your attendance, things for assignments, and so much more. There, she worked in many roles, one of which was a hiring manager. So she has interviewed hundreds of teachers. She has seen countless resumes. She knows what teachers do right, and she knows what teachers do wrong. And inside of our membership and inside of our Find Your Next Dream Job course for teachers that you also get inside of the membership, she trains you on how to do it right instead of what 99% of teachers do wrong in interviews and in so much more. Her insights are invaluable. In this episode, she is going to share what roles there are at ed tech companies and why teachers have the magic sauce and the things that help them to be incredibly successful and incredibly helpful in those roles. So some of her roles that she's had at ed tech companies include customer success manager as well. She's going to tell you a lot about that role and different related roles at ed tech companies and so much more. Shannon is married to her best friend and true love, Jake, and she has three of the cutest kiddos in the world. They range from ages eight months to six years. Now, not only has Shannon had this amazing path from teaching to ed tech companies, but she also continues to be an incredible influence and example of continuing her path as she is now a life coach. She works specifically with working moms. She helps them overcome things like mom guilt associated with working and so much more. Shannon is one of our new advisors in teacher transition. So as you listen, you are going to learn so much from her. And if you want to connect with her personally and have her help, whether it's trying to identify which job type you'd like in ed tech or at an education company or in corporate with the different roles that she's had, or if you're trying to figure out how to interview effectively or anything else, she is incredibly experienced and incredibly successful at helping with that. And this month in our membership, all members have access to Shannon. You can set up a free 30-minute session with her and talk about whatever you need, whether it's interviewing, whether it's which company you might enjoy, what role you might enjoy, and so much more. If you're already in the membership, you'll get access to all of that in the portal as you log in. And if you are not, but if you would like to connect with her for that session and have access to all of the resources in the membership, simply go to teachertransition.com forward slash member. And we'll link to that below in the show notes as well, of course. Before we jump into today's episode, we are sending a special shout out and congrats to Sarah. 
Sarah has been in the instructional design course and she landed a job with an education, an ed tech company. You guys, this company wasn't even hiring for the position that she's landed. But because she reached out to them with a certain strategy and in a certain way that I recommend in the course, they saw that they needed her. They saw her portfolio work. They saw what she's done as a teacher and they created a job for her. She's going to be helping lead and direct the curriculum and instructional design department that they're creating. So super exciting. Sarah, way to go. So much personal initiative. What a great example. And I'm so excited to hear more about everything that you're doing in your new role. Congrats. Okay. Without any more delay, let's hop in and hear from Shannon. Shannon, I am so glad that we get to chat today about everything we're going to discuss from teacher guilt and so much more. I love it. I always love talking with you and we could probably get off on like a million tangents. So I'm going to focus and I'm going to, we're going to focus today. (laughs) It's so fun to get to work with friends, right? I love it. Shannon, why don't we start with you explaining some of the work that you do now. Now, our course members are already going to recognize you and our membership members are already going to recognize you from the training that you do inside of the membership and the Find Your Next Dream Job course on how to interview effectively and and so much more. But yeah, why don't you, for those who aren't familiar with you, why don't you just explain a little bit of your path and what you're aiming toward next as well? Okay. So my name is Shannon Rosaire. Um, I am a life coach for working moms. And um, and on top of that, I work for an ed tech company as my title is a customer success manager. Fancy words for saying I'm a consultant and I do many, many things. Anyways, so my path, I graduated in humanities because I just love all the things. And this is a classic working mom moment. So you may hear my two-year-old talk for a minute. Um, (laughs) um, So I graduated in humanities, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with life, got a job working in corporate and just realized it wasn't for me. So I jumped back to uh, get my master's in humanities. My plan was to become a professor, which I did. And I taught at two different universities as an adjunct professor and loved it. I loved every minute, but I wasn't making enough money. And um, that was about the time that the big recession had happened and the uh, country was still on recovering from that. And so I was even getting fewer hours. So it was just, it was really tough. And so I just decided, okay, I'm just going to jump back in to corporate because I can do that and figure out what my next steps are. So I started working for a software company as a trainer, and that's kind of what got me into corporate and doing all the things. And now, I, like I said, I'm a life coach for working moms, and my whole thing is to help moms be awesome moms at the same time they are advancing their careers. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Fantastic. So some of what Shannon hasn't mentioned, but that I know a lot of people in our community are so interested in are some of the specific companies where she's worked and some of the roles that she's worked in. So like Shannon mentioned, after teaching, she then became a trainer. And then some of the ed tech companies where she's worked include Canvas by Instructure, okay? The largest learning management system or the fastest growing one out there. For those of you who haven't heard of it, think of where you enter your grades, your attendance, and 
and assignments for students. It's one of those platforms and portals. So working there as a hiring manager, she has interviewed and seen the resumes of hundreds of transitioning teachers. And inside the training that we have in our membership by Shannon, she shares what teachers do wrong 99% of the time in interviews and how to do that right. And she gives fantastic examples and yeah, shares resources and so much more. So that's really helpful. But yeah, she's worked at that ed tech company and another ed tech company. She has worked full-time employed with benefits, all, all the things. Um, <laughs> she knows all the different roles that teachers are most interested in, where they thrive next and how to land those jobs because she has granted them those jobs. And for others, she said, mm, sorry, we yeah. can't hire you for this. And he, he can explain yeah. why. So many great things. Um, okay, Shannon. And and the ed tech company that you're working at now as a customer success manager, I see a few more people that have been posting about that recently and asking questions about that. For those who have not heard about it, can you briefly describe that role? Sure. So customer success manager, that is... Honestly, it depends on where you go and how they define customer success manager. Sure. It is a it is a role in the software industry and in corporate that people are still trying to figure out. For most companies, customer success manager is the role that helps customers be happy customers. So think um, when you have a software tool, you want everyone at your organization to use it, right? Because if everyone at the organization uses it, you're getting your money's worth. The customer success manager helps with that. They help make sure that the customers are using the tool and that everyone at their organization is using the tool because the more people that are using it, the more likely they are to renew. So the customer success manager is responsible for happy customer and also helping them grow and expand within their organization. So primarily, that's the customer success manager role in the industry. However, depending on where you go, it could include additional responsibilities. My role just so happens to be pretty much anything post-sale related to a customer. So the company has um, sold the software to the customer and anything beyond that point is my job. Um, and some companies have multiple jobs in there. So let me kind of explain some of those other roles because I think it's relevant to what you were saying. So um, there's the trainer role, which trains the customer on how to use the software um, and also how to use it best within their organization. There is uh, the implementation consultant, and there's various terms for that. The implementation consultant is primarily responsible for getting the software up and running at the organization. I almost said school because I'm I'm working with higher ed right now, so it's like oh, they get it up and running at the school. But um, you know, if they're if it's a, a corporate business that you're getting it up and running, and the implementation consultant is responsible for getting it up and running setting up the technology, ensuring um, they do some training, ensuring that the processes and businesses that are configured are best for that particular customer, because it may be different depending on the customer. And then there's, of course, the customer success manager, where once the software is up and running, they help with the customer they help the customer stay happy. And then there's support. And support is if there's any bugs or problem with the software, basically if it's broken, support help fixes that. So those are different roles at software companies, and it's especially ed tech. My customer success manager role, because I'm working at a startup, 
actually encompasses all of those roles I just described. So that's a long way of saying I do all the things after a customer becomes a customer, but that's not necessarily the case at other companies. So hopefully, hopefully that made sense. Yeah, definitely. That makes so much sense. Also for anyone listening, who's like, well, I, I, I want to work in an ed tech company, but I don't know how to develop web stuff, right? I I think it's just really important that people know, no, that doesn't need to be the role. You don't need to be a web developer. If people want to do that, mm-hmm. cool. You can learn those skills. But there is this whole huge area where they need people to help train, to help with implementing, to help mm-hmm. using it successfully, to renew accounts and yeah, to have it be part of their school if it's ed tech or you know, their organization, if it's corporate outside of the education sector. Yeah. So think of, so my, as a, I've done this in various roles. So I'm like, well, I, I could say that this is a trainer, but I also did it as a consultant. I also do it as a customer success manager. But one thing that like makes it that the teachers, like teachers are really prepared for when it comes to software is they've actually used it. I've actually used the software and they know how to use it in the classroom. So let's say, for example, Canvas, because that's one that I worked on. A teacher has experience, like let's say a 10th grade teacher, 10th grade teacher has experience using Canvas, has experience teaching 10th graders how to use Canvas, has experience developing lessons, assignments, managing grades on Canvas. So there's some instructional design elements there. So the teacher actually has firsthand experience using the software. And that translates to a corporate environment where they can teach others how to use the software. Very basic training, like click here to do this, click here to do this. But then beyond that, they can actually consult on best practices. So for example, uh, a teacher who's had experience, like I said, teaching 10th grade and using Canvas, all of a sudden in, is now in a position where they can train and consult other 10th grade teachers on how to use Canvas or other high school teachers how to use Canvas. For example, you may want to do this when setting up your assignments because it will engage your students more. I would recommend not doing this other thing because your students are never going to look at it or they're going to be confused or something like that. So because the the teachers have experience with the tool, they can train and consult other teachers in the same thing. They don't have to be a wizard, like you said, and no web development or coding or anything like that. No, it's just they have boots on the ground experience using that tool. Absolutely. One of the ed tech companies that I do educational consulting for this last week, I've had teachers reaching out and and really my role with that company in particular is pre-sell and the sales process and post-sell. Like, so there's kind of a lot of hats involved with it, but it was so nice even this last week, you know, to train some teachers live and to be able to say, so when you're starting to use this with your students, here's what I recommend. And here's what I did with my students to to show it to them, to use it together as a class. Anyway, to speak from experience and the company has their tech people, right? And the company has, you know, some salespeople and all the invoicing and all of that. But when I emailed one of the principals this week of, okay, here's the information, here's the bids, here's everything that you need. Let's get your accounts created. I could also say, speaking from experience, having used this with my fifth graders, I can say that they went from some of the lowest Title I school writers in the district to some of the highest performers in just a handful of months. Mm -hmm. 
you know? And so having testimonial, like I almost have goosebumps saying that because mm-hmm. as teachers, we know what tools are bringing about real results and making our lives right. easier and our students enjoy. And ah, uh, yeah, I, it really does give me yeah. goosebumps. Like, and we're passionate about it and we speak, we speak to it from a place of, of real interest and investment. And so, you know, the person who's setting up the student accounts, so like the tech person at the company, one of the, like, he has great experience and great skills. It's just different when you've been in those shoes. I always say teachers make the best trainers and the best right. educational consultants. Yes. Well, and the other thing is you were talking about that, that, that came to mind is that teachers also know how not to do it. So I remember when I mentioned I was an adjunct professor at two different universities. While I was teaching, both universities implemented Canvas. So they bought Canvas while I was there. It was implemented by the implementation consultant. And then the teachers were trained on how to use it in their classrooms, right? And then several years, I ended up working at Canvas. Several years later, I ended up working at Canvas. Anyways, the first school that I worked at when Canvas came on board, I remember sitting there and they're like, you're going to get trained on Canvas. And I'm like, okay. And I go into this place and Canvas was still a new tool at that point. I had absolutely no idea what Canvas was. And they just said, you're going to go get trained on Canvas. I'm like, cool. I figured they would tell me what it was when I was there. They didn't. I had absolutely no idea. And the more I got into the session, I'm like, oh, I think this is like Blackboard. If you've ever used Blackboard, like, I think that's what this does. And then they trained us on how to use the tool, but I'm like, I don't know how to use this in the classroom. Like you told me where to click, but I have no idea how to take it into like, like use it experientially, like as an experience, I have no clue. You just told me where to click. And I had this horrible experience getting trained on Canvas, which I absolutely love that tool. And I think it's phenomenal. So then as a teacher, it made me go by my, like on my own in the evening, try and figure out what this tool was and how it worked and how to use it in my classroom. Fast forward several years later, I was actually working at Canvas. I was actually an implementation consultant. I was actually training schools on how to do it. And I had firsthand experience to say, this is the wrong way to do it. And this is the things that you need to keep in mind to make sure that your teachers are using this tool. You need to provide these trainings. You need to provide these consultations. You need to give them this help. For someone that's more like technical oriented, like that has a technical background with coding or engineering or things like that, they would have had no idea how to consult on what I was doing because they had no experience in doing it. Sure, they could talk about the tech back up, the tech setup all day, but what the schools needed when I was implementing Canvas was how to get their teachers to use the tool. And I had that experience as a former teacher using the tool with my horrible experience of getting onboarded with it. So teachers have a wealth of knowledge, not just how to do something well, but like how not to do things. Absolutely. And what you said about, so I had to go in the evening on my own time and learn how to use the tool. Every time, almost every time that I train teachers, one of the first things I start with is, you know, a pres- a, an image of this presentation and we describe those kinds of professional development where it's boring, it's not engaging, it's not very relevant. Anyway, and I just explained, this is not that kind of training. You're going to be using this while we go. Your life is going to be easier when we are done. You're not going to have more to do after this. We're going to finish it while you're here. And if you don't feel like your load is lighter, then we haven't been successful, but we are going to be successful. And you're going to leave this like empowered and ready to roll. And anyway, just so much more because we've all been in boring 
boring professional development meetings and trainings. And it's like, what a waste of time because let's be honest, everyone has a thousand post-it notes of what they need to be doing and we don't want to take their time with it. So yeah. Well, and, and the other thing too, like this is something that I think teachers overlook and take for granted. Um, Definitely. It's a skill that's overlooked in the corporate world. It's overlooked with parents, principals, you name it is the fact, and this sounds so simple, but go with me here. It's the fact that teachers know how to teach. They know how to take you from point A to point Z. And they can tell you the why you're you're doing this, how it's going to benefit you, how to use it, how you might use it. They'll give examples in the classroom. When someone does not have a teaching background, they do not know how to teach those kinds of things. And that's the experience that I had when I was getting onboarded with Canvas that first time is that I was not being taught by a teacher. I was being taught by someone who was technical, who was just telling me how to use the tool. But they didn't think to start at the beginning of why are we doing this? How does this benefit you? Like things that teachers take for granted is they tell you the story and the whole life cycle of the experience and the event. And that's, I'm probably communicating it so poorly, but because it's something that as teachers we do, it's second nature to us. It's like, well, how can you not know that's what you do? Like, that's so simple. Trust me, most people do not do that. I can tell the teachers from the non-teachers in corporate because they can take a person on that journey, that learning journey um, of learning a new thing, a new software, a new concept, a new whatever, is that they take them on the whole journey. Ah, so great. Shannon, thank you for sharing <laughs> your, you know, your path and so much about how to get a job in ed tech, different roles that there are, and really why teachers are uniquely qualified, the skills that they have. I know you and I both have seen very clearly that while teachers have these skills, they oftentimes don't know how to kind of share their skills on their resume and in an interview. And I'm so happy to announce to everybody that you are one of our advisors with Teacher Transition. And so for all of our listeners out there, if you want to talk with Shannon about how to get a job in ed tech, well, first off, she's going to be presenting at something super exciting that we have coming up and we'll get you more details on that. And second of all, you can connect with her individually, right? If you want help on how to interview effectively, that yes. is her sweet sauce, right? Yes. Zone of genius. Like I said earlier, she has seen, she's interviewed hundreds of teachers, seen countless resumes. She knows what's going to get this done for you and what's not. And really, if you're trying to figure out what role do I want, how do I even find the right companies and so much more, we have resources for you for that. So we will link in the show notes to everything that you need to connect with Shannon and um, add in our membership to the resources that will help with this as well. So Shannon, thank you so much for your example with this. Can I ask you to share just two more things with our audience in this episode? And I know we're going to have you back for other (laughs) topics in other episodes as well. Um, But I just want you to share a little bit of your example in it's okay to invest in yourself on your path. If that's with time, if that's with financial resources and um, a little bit of how do you communicate with your spouse? I know some people are like, well, my, you know, my significant other is saying I shouldn't quit teaching because, you know, it pays well. 
I maybe I couldn't find something else. Could you speak to those two items? Yes. So first one was investing in yourself, right? Yep. Time, finances, whatever it is for the future path and job options you want. Because you've been a teacher, you've worked at ed tech companies and you still, right? Life is a path, not an end destination. You are now looking at like, now you are becoming a life coach and working specifically with moms who struggle with mom guilt or with working (laughs) and things like that. So yeah. And I know that that's taken investment of time and finance for you as well. Yeah. So First, I want to speak to it from a working mom perspective, because this is what I see in my clients all the time. And, um, and I see it with, and I see it with teachers almost more so because as a mom, as a woman, we've been culturally conditioned and we also feel like innately in our deepest part of our bones that we need to sacrifice and do things for others that we need to put others first. And so we need to put our children first, our spouse first, our husband first. As a teacher, we need to put our children first. And it goes even further than that if you're at a Title I school. Like, I have these really high needs kids and I need to do everything I can when they're in the classroom. And what I see a lot with my clients, I've seen it with myself and and, and a lot of women, really, even if they're not a mom, is this desire to put everyone first at your own expense and sacrificing yourself, sometimes to the detriment of your health, like where you're not sleeping enough because you're trying to put everybody first. The thing is, is if you are working from a depleted gas tank, if you have empty on your gas tank, your car is not going to move. If you are feeling empty, whether it's mentally, physically, um, emotionally, any other way, your car is not going to move. You are not going to be able to serve everybody that you want to. And so first of all, you need to make sure that you're investing time in yourself to take care of yourself. You are the most important person in your life because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't do anything else to help anybody, which is truly, and this is why we got into teaching in the first place is because we want to help others. So if you want to help others better, it seems counterintuitive. You've got to help yourself first. You have to take care of yourself. So first of all, you have to prioritize yourself. You have to take the time to take care of yourself. Now, where it gets a little tricky is if you're not even used to taking care of yourself and resting and getting the things you need to take care of your body, it's really hard to invest in yourself financially because then you start saying, well, that $300 or that $400 could go for these clothes that my kids need or, oh man, my child just burned through another pair of shoes and we're going to have to spend money on that. Or there's doctor's appointments coming up. There's all of these other things. What you need to realize though, is that if you invest in yourself up front, the returns are going to be so much greater. And that's why a lot of times we're scared to invest in ourselves and our spouses are scared to invest money because they don't think there's going to be that return. It's it's scary to put yourself out there to take a risk when you're living in comfort. And so to answer kind of your second question, how do you talk to your spouse about this? Oh, like, you know, spouse is saying it's, you've got a great teaching job. You've got decent benefits. We're safe. We're comfortable. It's the comfort that's keeping them back. And that's really scary because they're worried about all of the bad things that can happen. And sometimes you do need to be aware of that. Like you probably are not going to go on a teacher's salary and blow $10,000. Maybe you will, but 
maybe you start small. Maybe it's just a couple of hundred dollars investing in yourself, investing in your growth and your potential, and you're going to see huge returns. So um, personal experience, and I know we're almost out of time. Um, Several years ago, it was right. I'd just gotten married. I had been working at that company um, that I had moved to after being a teacher. So this is my first job after jumping out of teacher land. I had just got married, um, had been married for about six months and, or no, sorry, about a year at that point. And I was, I was making decent money, probably high, high, high end teacher salary at that point. And um, a manager position came open and I knew this would take a little bit more time. I would have to invest a little bit of time after work just so I could get up to speed. But I knew eventually that um, it would even out and I wouldn't have to invest so much time. And I went to my husband and I'm like, what do you think I should do? And bless his soul, he said that I needed to do it. That was very hard because I was working late nights for months and months and months. We had, um, I had to take more trips up front for work because of this new role in this management position I had taken on. Eventually, like I said, it evened out. I figured out the job and I went back to normal working hours, but my salary increased by probably 60%. Wow. Um, through that year, those years of being in management. Then because of that, I went on to get the next job at Instructure, working for Canvas, got more manager jobs, et cetera, so forth and so on. And within probably, what, six or seven years, I've more than doubled my salary wow. um, because of that initial investment. And as a leader in my organization, I'm actually working fewer hours, normal business hours than I was when I first started with that investment of time. Because I was putting in a lot of time. I was working probably 50-hour weeks. Sometimes it was more. Um, and now I'm not. And now my my salary has more than doubled. So it's taking that leap of faith and jumping in and saying, okay, I'm investing in myself because in the long run, it's going to benefit my family. And and it does. Uh, but it is scary. It's totally scary. So that was, that was long. But hopefully that's, that's what you were looking for. And giving yourself permission in those first few steps, you know, and having the vision of these are the first few steps and this, you know, investing in myself this way and that way could lead not only to this next step that I can see right now, but to a lot of things that I can't see that are even further ahead. But I think for a lot of people in our audience, it's just nice to know that there can be next steps ahead. Yeah. Because a lot of them do feel like they're, they've kind of reached a dead end and they're not sure what to do next. So yeah. Here's how I look at that. it. Here's how I would look at it. Remember your first year of teaching? And remember how many hours you put into building your lesson plans and you were overworking and you were exhausted and you were going above and beyond. And then the second year was just a little bit easier because you had done all the work that first year. That's kind of what you're doing with investing in yourself is that you're it's imagine it's your first year of teaching and once you get the hang of it it gets so much easier um but you have all of these benefits that are coming back to you after that's kind of how i look at investing in yourself first year of teaching but it goes away and it gets better that's so great thanks for your personal example of taking those next steps and thanks so much for being one of our advisors to help everyone who wants to take these steps as well. So if you are hearing this and you are thinking, I want to work in ed tech. Oh, I want some help with this. I don't want to have to figure this all out alone. 
go to our show notes, click on the link below, and we'll have access all the information that you need so that you can connect with her and get the resources that will be most helpful for you. Okay. Shannon, yes. again, thanks so much for the chat time. And yeah, we look forward to having you in another episode again soon. Thanks, Allie. It's good okay, talking to you. you. You too. Do you ever wonder what you could do next for work opportunities? Would you like to hear from actual teachers who have now gone beyond their classroom and work in different roles? Well, join us at our upcoming summit. Whether you want to become a trainer, whether you want to start your own online business, whether you want to become an educational consultant or work remotely from home in flexible ways that align with your skills, we have excellent teachers who are going to show you the ropes for all of these things and more. Come and get the training you need for those specific resumes. Come and get the resources you need to actually get started. You don't have to do this alone. You're going to do it more successfully and enjoyably by doing it together. Go to teachertransition.com forward slash summit to sign up for the summit today so that you can join us as it goes live. This episode may have ended, but connecting doesn't have to. Join us on Facebook or Instagram and get the support and inspiration you need in your personal educator path. If you're loving the podcast, help us spread the word. Leave a review or screenshot the episode, share it on social media, and be sure to tag us at Teacher Transition. Who knows? We may even feature what you share on our social media feed too. Until next time, teacher friends, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. Good luck with the great things you're up to right now and keep looking forward to the amazing things to come.